Okay, breaking news coming from MLC, the big show. All you pig boys out there in the country coming to Des Moines, Iowa, the World Pork Expo, you reach out to that Kevin Mears. He's going to set up some interviews. We want some of you top-tier guys as well as some some underdog stories for uh, be told that week at World Pork Expo. I'll be off the road. I'm officially giving the big show away on June 1st like Elon Musk. I'm just going to give it away. But uh, we'll still have some sort of uh, editorial co- uh, commentary past June 1st. But uh, darn sure reach out to Kevin Mears. Kevin, give me your phone number so people can reach out to you and set up some uh, some unique interviews during Expo Week. 937-533-0169 is my cell phone. Try me on Snap at Kevin L. Mears. Instagram, I think it's Kevin L. Mears or Kevin Mears. Facebook, uh, I got the cute kid as the profile picture. Come find me. <laughs> Man, that was an awesome radio voice. Woo! Oh, yeah. I have a face <laughs> made for radio coming to you live. <laughs> me too. I've got the face for radio as well. Last thing, if I hadn't learned how to work a camera, I figured I always had like a backup gig announcing uh, announcing the tunes at the strip club. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh, I love it. You could have went a lot of ways with what you could have done, but I like that you went the strip club route. Good job, Kevin. On Put your hands together for April. On Destiny, destiny, destiny. Pig Show industry leaders, go ahead and contact Kevin Mears for World Pork Expo podcasting opportunities. Uh, as always on the Big Show, it's free. So uh, looking forward to our interview with Steve Martin of Indiana. It's going to be a lot of fun, you guys. Tune in. You there, man? Pete. What's going on, What's my boy? What's going on, buddy? Not How you much. doing? How are you today? Oh, man. I'm just blessed to be joined by a patriot named Steve Martin. Excuse me. There you I'll, go, make this ra- I'll make this radio friendly. Steve there you Martin. Go. <laughs> yes, sir, my fellow patriot. How are you, Bob? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm in the last eight or ten days of my spring travels and finishing up in Iowa and headed towards South Dakota here pretty quick. And then, by golly, I'm going to get that pool opened up and watch my kids swim all summer, hopefully. There you go. I'll have to swing out there when I'm out there for the World Pork Expo. I like that idea. Fight yes, fight, communi- fight communism the rest of the summer, I guess. Yes, we will. <laughs> rest of our lives. We need to make another trip to D.C. sometime and do our justice for this country. I love it. Yeah. It's just like they come up with a stop talking briefly about some of that stuff and we can add it into the podcast at the very, very end if we want to after I edit stuff, but uh, just an incredible bullshit time to be alive with some of the stuff that's going on. I mean, they come up with new ways to make themselves look like idiots every day out there in Washington, D.C., and there's fools on both sides. There's fools on both sides of the ball, but there's a lot of fools on the freaking Demo side of the ball. God dang, there's a bunch of retards. Hey, yeah. I do have a, I do have a kind of breaking news that I might add into the end of this podcast. Old Burke Holby, have you ever seen or met her, or did you listen to her podcast yesterday? Listen to the podcast. Did you listen to Burke Holby's by chance yesterday morning? No, I didn't. Anyway, she <clears throat> she raised uh, MAB Heatway full sip, and uh, and. Uh, 
sold sold one to me when I was out there in March. Then she sold uh, a second one, and I'm not trying to pretend like one's better than the other. They're both they're both very nice, but uh, I sold the other one to Wade Rogers there in early April. But uh, anyhow, I don't know how she's connected to him, and maybe I I'll have to check her to make sure I can put it into the podcast. But uh, she is close family friends with a little guy by the name of uh, Joe Manchin. And uh, yeah. I know that Joe, I know that Joe Manson's a Democrat. So, but it's a West Virginia Democrat, and I don't know what that means. But that's something that Burke said that uh, while he is a d- Democrat, he was one of the two people. Oh, Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manson were the two that was plugging the dam, holding back the the water that was trying to come in and drown us all, America. Back whenever they were trying to pass Build Back Better. And some of that other yep. bullshit. And uh I mean obviously I would have to treat him with treat him like a king, and I would treat him like a king, even though the last part of his uh insignia says D instead of R. But there's some dumbass R's and Joe Joe Manchin is actually yep. a pretty freaking good D. I mean if there if there is such a thing, he is the one. Him and old Kirsten Center. Right. Yep. Absolutely. But Anyways, Mary texted me and said that uh, he's not available for another ten minutes. Do you want to log on, or do you want to get, or do you want to wait for Mears? I mean, Mears would definitely have more industry knowledge on the pig deal. We could uh, tell some old stories for a few minutes about uh, your time, and you're still in the cattle business. You're still breeding some cows, but uh, we could tell some old stories. Uh, I have a specific, I have a specific memory about you from way back when. Uh, you were traveling a lot, and I, I, I guess here's where I'll start with you, Steve. And if we last long enough, hopefully Mears will get his butt in here. But uh, I guess you're now kind of nationwide branded as Mr. Pigman, and you kicked some major butt. And I think that's where Kevin wants to go with the uh, interview. My question for you is: Tell me some history about your show cattle background. I know that you have a, a lifelong friendship with. I believe the Klinger family from Missouri, is that right? That is correct. Uh, all right, after I graduated high school back in 89, uh, John Sullivan gave me the nickname. He called me Moving Martin. And uh, he saw me no at every national show. And uh, we, uh, all the cattle sales around the country, I was flipping and sitting everywhere. Uh, hooked up with Klinger. One quick one quick, yep. story, just so people can kind of get a vision in their head about what Steve Martin looked like if you have not met him in person. Steve Martin could have been a basketball player. He's about six, what are you, six foot eight, six foot nine? You're a tall old glass uh, of water. Six and four and a half, six five. But, oh my God! You must yeah. you must have shrunk an inch or two. You've got to be six six at least. <laughs> well, somewhere in there. Anyway, pretty good size. Carry on. Carry on with your uh, buckle story. Go ahead. But yeah, I was right after high school. I got to uh, clipping and fitting cattle. I hooked up with Brad Cummins and uh, started going around to all these production sales, clipping with him. Uh, did a stint down there at Buckholz's down in Texas. Uh, then uh, got hooked up with uh, Mark Mueller and Kent McKeon back here at Diamond M and uh, started helping them with their mains and then 
finally landed a position there at Clingers at Unionville, Missouri, and I think I was there for 15 years, and that was when Tracy was first getting started, and me and him was bucking heads all the time with all these shows, you know, and uh, left Clingers and started kind of doing some stuff on my own. And uh, Just briefly, just just briefly, uh, <clears throat> tell a few store what like one or two stories from your <clears throat> time at Clingers. Just you know, maybe could be anything from a cast got sick and ended up winning a show to maybe a high seller that y'all sold through the years, or uh, maybe a state fair that you happened to win during that time period. Just you pick one or two stories to tell. I just those are the stories that people really like. Is those. I mean, the, the overview is important, but those specific uh, impactful stories would be the one that be ones that people have the most interest in. And I know that Kevin's going to want to come in here and ask you specifically about your ass kicking hog from last summer. But uh, just tell a specific story or two from the uh, clinger run. Uh, probably one of the most the funniest ones. It wasn't funny at the time. Tom didn't think, but Grant Soccer he liked the story. Uh, we had a bunch of cows set up, like 150 in town there. We had set up, and the neighbors, uh, they had rodeo bulls. And uh, this damn bull kept getting in there while we were setting up cows, and I'd run him out, and no more than I'd get him ran out, he'd be back over. And I told Tom, I said, I'm taking care of this for the last time. And uh, <laughs> he didn't know what I meant by that, so I went out there and shot that son of a buck. <laughs> and drug him off, and lo and behold, the farmer's like, you see my bull? I was like, I ain't seen nothing. But uh, I was tired of having with that problem. Tom liked to die when I did that, but I was like, I'm not dealing with this no more. Cause that was just, that was right after uh, the neighbor Charlet bull got in there and uh, stifled total place. And uh, that that really put a damper oh, on the yeah. breeding pro- program, and we lost total play, you know. Uh, you bet. He was making a run there for a while back in those days. And, Here's uh, an old story. Like Here's that. an old story. Here's an old story that I'd be interested in hearing from you. So the Klinger family is from Unionville, Missouri, correct? Yep. And uh, yes, I'm just kind of telling the backstory for those uh, in the Canadian market or down in the southern market or somebody new to the industry that might not be aware. But they were rocking and rolling there for a long, long time. They're still raising good ones to this day. But uh, there's two stories that I'd like to talk about with Tom. But uh, were you around, number one would be, were you around whenever old Mossy Oak was bred, or was that after you left? Yep. Yep. That was, so Orrin Wolf was coming back during those times, and he was buying groups of heifers. And uh, we had this one heifer, and Tom was, Orrin had picked it out, and I told Tom, I thought, if you sell that heifer, I'm quitting. I see it's too good to sell. And finally, <laughs> Carrie stood up, because Tom listens to Carrie a lot. And finally, Carrie threw her foot down, too. And uh, Real quick, real quick. I'm make... just, I, I, I apologize for jumping in here, but Carrie is Carrie Klinger. Uh, she, she, I don't know if this was before, during, or after, but she also married Russ Harkema, uh, you know, when Russ was rocking and rolling in the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, Russ went on a four or five year state fair, Iowa state fair winning streak. Anyways, uh, I, these names are, are simple for you to remember. I just want to make sure those listening are, are fully aware of who we're talking about. So go ahead. Yep. And, uh, so that heifer didn't make the trip to Liberty, Indiana. We kept her there on the farm and, and, uh, lo and behold, she ended up raising full flush. Or, I mean, uh, mafia. Mafia. 
You bet. Yep. So Mafia pedigree was what specifically? Do you remember? Was, was he a, a flush? flush it, it, yep. He was a flush, and uh, that heifer was out of a bull we called Cashback, which was a double-bred senior son. And uh, yeah. I think the cow might have went back to that old bull of Tyrone Hollinger's. Might have had a little bit of Carlisle in her. And uh, yep. I mean that's going way back. And in the, uh, way back in the day. And uh, to the best of my recollection, you can tell me if this is incorrect, but I believe that Russ Harkema and Tom Klinger owned that bull in partnership. Is that correct? And and, and Ferguson. And Jerry Ferguson. Ferguson was, yep. Yep. They were they were in on him. Yes, sir. Now and, this uh, is this will be a unique kind of side note, but Tom Klinger, we all love him. The man has a reputation as being a real uh genuine guy and uh you know before he was married to his wife he he was kind of a ladies man and he's always been just a really unique fella but uh one little yeah. backstory about him is, is Tom has a slight lisp I kind of have a slight yeah. lisp as well but uh <laughs> it was just just I mean this is just kind of funny and there's no disrespect intended but the bull Mossy Oak was just a little bit tough for Tom to say with that list. So whenever he got yep. to rapping about his rapping about his bowl, you'd be like, "Hey, this Mossy, this Mossy's a pretty good Mossy. We like this Mossy." Anyway, yep. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you'll agree with any of that, but uh, he he is a one of a kind individual, a true character of the industry. I mean, you know, you talk about Dwayne Hilbert, Tom Klinger, yep. just uh, some of them over the top personalities from back in the day. And Tom Klinger was yep. one of them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of a unique backstory that Tom just had a little bit of trouble with that mossy. That mossy bull, pretty damn good, that mossy. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I remember, right, we had him in Denver. This goes back to 2000 for, for the people that don't know Mossy Oak and all that. And yep. so 2001 was his first kept crop, and I bought a mossy oak off of Mueller out there in western Iowa. And uh, yep. won the Hoosier Beef Congress in 2000. No, that would have been 2003. I'm sorry. Yeah, yep. 2003 would have been his first calf crop. And uh, yep. he won the Hoosier Beef Congress in 2003 with his with the first mossy oak out. So you bet. It just I got a little story. Full circle, you know. You bet. I got a little uh, story about mossy oak. Uh, uh, I don't remember the backside pedigree, but I bought a, a mossy oak steer from. Joe Sullivan in probably 2005-06 time frame, and that steer ended up selling to Sean Yount family from Northeast Indiana, and he he had several wins. But I think his premier win of the season was uh, I believe he was reserve overall at the 2005 or six Michigan Beef Expo that April, back when I was running with old Ryan Verhelly and Larry Russell, and I know Larry works for Borsons now up there in Michigan. And Larry listens yep. to every podcast, so I got to give me a Larry Larry Russell shout out. Larry, I know you're listening, and uh, there you a go. lot of memories with you. A lot of lot of memories with you there, Black Panther. But uh, <laughs> I need you, Larry Russell and Dennis, or or uh, Alyssa Borson, to come on the show and tell your old backstory. So, anyways, back to my boy Steve Martin. Uh, yeah, uh, Mossy Oak had an awesome run. You'll still see that mossy oak bloodline creeping into the pedigree of cows on some of these top steers every now and again. And uh, he was a bull, being out of full flush, he was a bull that could sure 
deliver some feature in terms of length and style of the front end. Probably needed to protect it on structure just a skosh. But, uh, yep. I mean, honestly, I would say he's my favorite full flush son of all time, personally. Yeah, yeah. His his females are outstanding, I think. And we still have a couple around here, you know, that go back to him. But, uh, yeah. yeah, long time ago, you know. And then as we uh, always thought as that, we go. Go ahead. Yeah. I always thought the kids would uh, get into showing cattle, and uh, they decided they wanted to show pigs, and that was probably one of the hardest things I ever had to do was take all the tear down the clipping room and take the cattle scales out and tear down all the cattle stuff and put pig stuff in there. And that, that's the mm-hmm. dream, so got to get in that's, behind uh, Yeah, that leads us that leads us into the second part of the interview where you're kind of switch gears and now you're rocking and rolling in the pig deal and uh, had some major success last summer. I mean, if you could give a, a brief little kind of synopsis or minute or two on your pig and, and then Kevin, once he gets his big butt in here, we can start talking back hey, and forth. Hey, you and him hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I, I, I'm a former pig butt. I am on here. Although I am worried, I'm driving, I'm worried you're going to hear the canisters and the semen tank rattling. So if you guys hear that on this audio, I'm not eating potato chips. It's the semen tank. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to help get my kiddos ready for school. It'll be better interview if, I, if I'm muted anyways. So uh, you two handle it from here, and I'm going to check back in in five or ten minutes, okay? All right. Thank Sounds you. Thank good. you, Steve. <laughs> What do you know today, Steve? Oh, it's a beautiful day here in central Indiana, so we're loving the temperatures out here right now and the weather. Well, I've got my short pants on going to northern Indiana. I don't think it's going to get above 70 today, and I'm I'm a-okay with that. There you go. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you had to tear out all your cattle pins. Now, be honest. You love that big deal, don't you? Now we're ate up with it. Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of ups and downs. You know, we got into something that we had didn't we didn't know a single thing about this whole deal and you know, we just got surrounded with the right people and and uh asked a lot of questions and uh finally got our first winter underneath our belt and then it just started accumulating after that. You know how it is. Well yeah, now now, was it something that the kids just wanted to do because their buddies were doing it? Did you start them out? Did your wife show pigs? Or I thought maybe she showed some sheep when she showed. Did you want to start them out no. with smaller species? Did it just they never moved on? Or no, Kelly. How I met my wife, uh, I was working out there at Clingers, and uh, we happened to sell her the steer. A total place steer that was uh, won the Beef Congress that year, and then turned around and was Reserve Grand Indiana State Fair, and that's how I met Kelly. And then uh, I said she always showed cattle her whole life, and uh, we got to the point the kids were starting to show, you know, before 4-H years. They're, we're trying to start them out young, and and uh, I bought a wide a heifer, and uh, her name was uh, Sparkle. And uh, he decided he didn't want to show a heifer, so I traded sparkles for a bicycle. And her very first calf, we AI'd her to Ali, and that was the donor cow called Sprinkles that's out of Dickland. 
that she brought 35500 in Tracy's sale that fall. And, okay. Uh, and we always thought the kids would show, but me and Kelly both have normal jobs, you know, and we was like, well, trying to get kids in and out of the cooler room with small kids. I mean, Shelby wasn't even born yet. This is just Wyatt. And uh, so we decided he took a liking. We had some friends that showed pigs, and he took a liking to it, and that's when we made the choice to, we'll do the pig route. You know, that way small kids can work on them. We don't have to worry about them, you know, too much. And uh, as far as getting hurt and working them and whatnot by themselves. So we started down the pig road, and here we are today. Here you are several years later. Yeah, that's one thing I found out with little kids. They uh, they want to do the work. They think they're big kids. And heck, it's scared me with my kid and a pig a time or two. And when I take him to work calves, he thinks he can pick up a blow or work horse calves been tied up for the very first time. And uh, I'm, I'm always concerned that's going to end for them. So. Yep, yep, yep. So let's, let's talk about this past year. Uh, and just tell me the story on that barrel. Where he come from? Did you know he was that elite when you when you saw him? Was it one of them things? You know, a lot of these guys say you got to be twenty of these things to have one good one. Was he just one that serviced out of a big group that you had on speed, or just what was the story on him? Well, uh, Brennan North was judging the show down in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and. Uh, he called me, and, and uh, Goff, Blake Goff, Goff Livestock down there at Leedy, there he had a expo guilt stayed back forth, and we was needing to pick her up. So Brennan goes, will not you ride down there with me? And we made several stops through Missouri on the way down, and got down there, and he judged that show that day in Shawnee, and then we left Shawnee, and we went to our good friend Dan Young's. We got down to oh, Dan's boy. About, yeah, I got down to Dan's about 9 o'clock, 9.30 at night, and uh, looked at pigs there. And you know how it is with Dan. It, you don't just go in and get out. So it was probably about 11 o'clock that night. I was like, man, we got to get the gossips yet tonight. And, uh, the one thing, one thing about, about Dan, Dan, well, one thing about Dan is, one thing about Dan is he likes to talk, but if you just sit there and listen to the guy, you can learn some shit. He, he ain't just get flapping his jaw. He preaches a little wisdom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me and Dan go back. For years, I mean, we've known each other since we both started this cattle thing, and now we're he's in the hog thing also. So, common interests, you know, and common stories. But anywho, we leave Dan's, and that's the one thing about pigs. I mean, you can look at them 24 hours a day if you got someone to drive while you sleep, and vice versa, you know. So we roll in oh, up yeah. there at office about 1:30 in the morning. Looked at that guilt they had saved back for us. Uh, went in there to the chip barn and. He ran the first group of pigs out, and it was a pen of three, three pigs. And uh, I never said a word. And that was the pen that uh, Chubb was in and hidden treasure. That's his litter mate boar that we got out at SGI. And uh, okay. I never said a word. And then Blake goes, "Now you boys are gonna have to get your thinking caps on." He started running out all these other pigs, you know. And I never said a word the whole time. We go out of the chip barn and. And uh, I wanted to see a – I sold him a gilt years back called Dirty Dorothy. She won a bunch of shows. I bought her from Heimer. She's a dirty secret. And uh, Blake ended up buying her off us for 13000 And I uh, wanted to see her. And he was kind enough to take us out on the nursery and, 
and uh, or the firing house and show it to us. So we go back in there and load that gilt. We get her loaded up in the popper, and I said, hey, can we look at pigs one more time real quick? And he goes, sure. And I, he goes, what pen you want to look at? And I told him, and him and Brennan just kind of looked at me like, what? I said, just run those three out. I want to look at them one more time. And he ran them out, and I asked him what he wanted, and he priced it. And I said, times two. And he goes, that's fine. And I said, I want those two right there. And uh, he just kind of giggled, you know, and didn't say much. So I think he thought, thought I was crazy. And uh, we loaded him up, and Brendan looked at me, and he goes, well, I'm glad you're spending your money. And I, we pulled out of the driveway about 3.30 in the morning, quarter till 4. And I yes, called and Kelly. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing by that statement, these were I. Yeah. Do what now? I said, I'm guessing when you say I'm glad you're spending your money, I'm guessing them things might have been a little high. No, they weren't bad at all. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say what they what they cost, but they were not bad at all. Well, no, that's but, uh, none of our business, but just the way you yeah. phrased that. <laughs> I don't think they didn't see what I saw. I'll say that. And I told Kelly, and I, we pulled out of the driveway, and I said, "I go, honey. I said, I think I just found the one. I said, now you might not like him, but trust me, just feed him, and we'll be fine." So we left, left there, and we uh, drove to Reno, Oklahoma. Stopped in at Bobby Liston. I bought a spot barrel there that won every spot show in Indiana last year. Uh, he's in the top five with all the national shows. He even won our entire county fair. And we got a pretty competitive county fair for a spot to beat the crosses. We're doing something. Left there, stopped in at Brock uh, Herring, bought a Duroc gilt there, and he opened up the pop and he goes, what's that big-ass, big leg thing? And I was like, well, that's just one I picked up off Blake Golf. And uh, left there and... Went to Hoff Salties, got off there at Miami, Oklahoma exit, and there was tornadoes going through and everything else, and I was like, God, I hope we don't get, you know, sucked off the road, because, I mean, the tornadoes were right there. We finally got home that next morning, and I don't know, it's probably 5, 5.30 in the morning, I called Kelly, and I said, hey, get over to the barn. I said, I want you to see this thing, and threw him off the popper, and she looked at him, and she goes, you're right, I don't like him. And uh, yeah, yeah. he was as wide. He was as wide as he was tall, and he was as tall as he. I mean, he was just a little compact, dense thing, monster-legged. They had been feeding him on some hot feed, but his joints and structure was so good, I thought. So anyhow, we started feeding him, and uh, Jeff Logue come over to castrate him. They both had their seeds in them, and uh, Hidden Treasure was a little puny that day, so we didn't cut him. Because originally he was going to be our county fair hog, and uh, Chubb started getting really good, and White was always wanting to have a promotional bore, so we just left the nuts and hidden treasure. And uh, I called Blake about a month later, and I said, "Hey, I said, and you can call and ask Blake about this." I called Blake. I said, "Hey, I said I need to send you some more money." He goes, "What for?" I said, "Well, I'm telling you, Blake. I said this is the one," and he got to laughing. He goes. Ah, uh, and I said, no, I said, how much more money do you need? Because I, I, we didn't pay very much for these pigs. And he just chuckled. He goes, a deal's a deal, Steve. I was like, all right. So the first outing, we went, the first jackpot show of the season was up there at Lebanon. And Brock Herring and uh, Jarrett Davis was judging. We win both rings there. 
the next weekend, we go out underneath Mark Hogue, and in his commentation, he talks to me, he calls him Utopia, which I didn't know what Utopia meant. I had to Google it. And uh, I'm not. I know what the word meant, but I don't know how it applies to your pig. But he's a zoo animal. Yeah, said, well, when I googled it, it said a fantasy world of complete perfection. And uh, okay, he called him Utopia on the mic. And uh, the one thing about the hog, he's never been criticized on the mic ever. Uh, next show was Nathan Day, judged up there at Lebanon, and he described him as a fat steer that ought to be on display in Denver. And then Kyle Poland did the next day, and he said Ray Charles could find this one. And then the sixth show, we had a plan. We were going to show him six times and park him. And the sixth show was Ben Bobel. And uh, the only negative thing he ever said, he goes, the only thing wrong with this pig, he goes, he's not my barn for my daughters to show. And uh, so he won the first six shows that we went to, and we parked him. And uh, I don't think a lot of a lot of people forgot about him or didn't think we'd get him to State Fair than our seventh show was State Fair, and, I mean, Troy Salone and Kelton Mason, I mean, the commentation they did on him, you know, how they talked him was awesome, you know. I mean, Troy talked him in champion crossbred division. He goes, he's the best one that he's ever judged and most likely will ever get to judge. And then Kelton Mason's comment, he goes, this pig makes me nervous and I don't even own him. That, I thought those, that were, comment- those are two of my favorite. I've known Kelton. I've known Kelton since he was ten years old showing pigs. I've known Kelton yep. a long, long time, and he showed some awesome pigs. And I was watching on DV or uh, the Walton webcasting, and yep. when he said that nervous, when he said that, and the way he said it, ah, uh, it's over. I, I knew right yep. then if, if we could have placed wagers, I knew it was over. That was the bet when he yep. said, when he makes a comment like that. You just know that thing. Yeah. I mean, next level is not even the right term for that, Barra. But go ahead. No. I want to come back and ask no. you some more questions about that, hog. But go ahead. But, yeah, end up winning the state fair, you know. And we took two – we can only take two market hogs, two barrels up there, you know. And uh, Shelby took two. We won both classes and end up winning the show. And then come home from that because you know we show on sunday and then you have to be out of the barn by midnight so there's not much celebration time and get everything tore down and go home then we had to restack for the guilt show the following week so we had to go back up tuesday set up in the same pens that we were in and uh the barrel show ended up having like 1250 head in it the next week we take one guilt and we had 1450 head of guilts up there and then we end up reserve brand overall with our burke and uh, just an awesome summer, awesome summer. But uh, like I tell everyone about that hog, you know, I didn't pick that pig out. That pig picked me out. And uh, we fed him the same thing from day one as the very last day. And uh, that pig was, we was just along for the ride. He did it himself, uh, you know, won the market hog of the year. And, and a lot of breeders and a lot of people around the country think he's the best hog to ever walk. And uh, we're just lucky to be along for the ride. And, and your wife didn't. I had heard the story from a friend of ours. I believe you were on Team Show, right? Got, uh, uh, Dennis yep. Wilbur. Dennis Wilbur, the late Dennis Wilbur. Yeah, one of my dear, God bless dear friends. Yes. One of my dear, dear friends. We spent a lot of time on the phone. 
over the years. And this fall, he called me. He was all excited about the family that won the series in Ohio and your bear and how good he turned out. And he yep. said that your wife looked at you and thought you had lost your mind. She said, yep. she said she described him as just a cinder block, just yep. just a big square blob, just kind of well, not real good. So yeah, you said, he he'd been. You I mean, there've been hundreds of people that walked past him, you know, or I, you know, he'd been picked over several times, and it's just one of those things. I knew as soon as I saw him. And I know how my wife feeds, and uh, I can pick them a little bit outside themselves, you know, and, and a little bit muscled up and brought him home, and I told her to strip him down. And, and going back to that show, right, so uh, Kelly's – I'll put Kelly up against anybody when it comes to feeding hogs. She's pretty pretty okay, I think. And uh, going back to show, right, uh, Chad Day – got us on the show right program when we was buying pigs off him and Chad Day and Willie Kirkpatrick have been more influential in Kelly's feeding program than any two people in the country. And uh they showed her the basics, you know, showed her the ropes and then she's just taken it upon herself after that to start tweaking and dialing stuff in and and uh she's she's really good with that feed bucket, I can tell you that, Kevin. She's one of the best, well, I think. Well, I've, I I know that. You and I stood there at uh, Louisville at the hog show, and we talked about and you bragged on how good she was. And you took my next question away with how she got to be so good because, uh, yeah. well, it just it takes no difference in feeding a fat steer or uh, the difference between a fat steer and a heifer. There's a big difference between feeding a breeding gilt and a barra. Uh, yeah. It just takes time. And, well, you got to screw a lot of them up in that pig deal, especially. you got to screw a handful of them up before you figure out how shit works. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I was going. We've to only got fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Willie and Chad, and uh, you know, we only got fifteen pins here at the barn, and you know, we don't have tons of money, you know, and pretty much whatever we pick out and buy is what we show. We can't reshuffle and restack, you know, and what we get is what we get, and you know, we've had, we've been successful. I'll say that, you know, and fortunate in the show ring and the pig thing because. Like I said, we started four years before White was old enough to get in 4-H, and and uh, we chased that state fair for 12 years, and finally on the 12th try, we finally got over that hurdle. So it was – Ain't that the way it goes. Yeah, it was fun. You know, we've come home from that state fair a lot of times with our heads down, but, you know, it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how fast you get pick yourself back up and dust yourself off and go back at it again. And – uh and and that to me is one of the great things about as a family, not to get too uh, I don't know what the term is too soft, but that's one of the great things about showing livestock as a family. You can get your teeth right in, and you shake your head off, and you're just going to come right back at you. I mean, you just yeah. don't. It's just as a family, you can just keep going, and and it's it, it really I think it makes that's why these kids are so much stronger than a lot of the kids in society. Yeah. Yeah, you just don't back down. You know, and yeah, and now that I hear, here in Indiana, I think this is probably the toughest state when it comes to pig showing in the country there is. I mean, there is phenomenal breeders out here, uh, boar studs are out here. I mean, great livestock evaluators. I mean, this state's just stacked, you know. And then the the icing on the cake was, you know, that pig barn at 
Indiana State Fairgrounds is one of the most historical swine barns in the country, and that was the last year for the show in the original barn because they tore it down, you know, and they're building a new one. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was just pretty special to, to win the last, you know, barrel show at the original fairgrounds or the original swine barn, and uh, a lot of people said it's the best pig they ever walked through there. So it was just an awesome summer. You know, we just got lucky, and like I said, that pig found us. We didn't have – we didn't do nothing special. That pig did it all. Just one of those once-in-a-lifetime well, animals. We've all seen them in all species, you know, and we just got lucky. Well, I feel like there's more to the story. There had to be something else. <laughs> but I ain't going to pick on you too hard that how you just knew that cinder block was going to lengthen out and grow up and shape up and pretty up and and, and get good looking. And, yeah, I, I feel like there's more to the story, but maybe, there, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe you just it, – just knew. I just, there's just something I saw, and, man, we was on the phone all night long, me and Brandon calling people, and I was like, man, I think we've found the one. And, uh, you know. Now, was Brandon? Let, like, yeah. let me ask you this. Uh, you know, there's traders and there's camps and there's people that help. Is Brandon kind of one of your guys that you bought pigs off of, or were you just, just buddies and just happened to be along for the ride? No, Brandon's our go-to guy. How more show pigs? Uh, yep, Brandon. He, he's our ride or die partner. He's family. He's he's not a friend. He's family, and uh, okay. we go all over the country together. And and uh, yeah, I can't say enough about that guy. Well, I don't so, know yep. him. I I watched him judge a couple shows, and yep. the 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 times I've watched him judge shows, and the times my little boy showed to him. I was really impressed by how, for as young as he was, how professional, how serious. And, I mean, I just thought he did a well of a job judging. I thought he did a, yep. a, a hell of a job judging. And maybe I thought yep. that because my little boy was five and didn't do the best job driving, and he still gave him a fair look and described the hog, and we got along. But I, yep. I just I really appreciated the way he described the hogs. He was accurate. I thought he nailed them. I thought he looked at all of them. I thought he carried himself well and I thought I see why that young man's getting the business he's getting selling pigs right now if he can torture himself bet. with families that way yeah but did he think you had found the one or did he think was he sitting in the truck thinking oh man what are we going to do with this little box <laughs> he was thinking what are we going to do with this thing because that's why he made the comment he goes well I'm glad you're spending your money and I was okay. like I am just, I'm just tickled to death with what we just bought Beyond okay. people to death, but so it could have just about, well went south as it went the other way, you know. But it just won those deals. Well, you say you got fifteen pins. That sounds like a lot of pins for a guy who only has four. So yeah, you only have <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's a lot of barns out there that's got forty. <laughs> you know, I mean, oh yeah, I I was in a barn in Illinois, and I swear it looks like a county fairground. There's so many pins in that barn for pigs. And there's oh, all sizes for every show. Yep. I don't know how they keep them healthy. I don't know how they pay their feed bill. I just I I, yeah. I, I have no understanding of that. But uh, yeah. as 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 we get back to your pig story and, and about how that pig did its, its deal every day, let's talk a little bit about your success, or tell me a little bit about your success with these Berkshire Gill. 
Oh, these Burt Gilts, uh, they all come from Brandon Davis. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we've hooked up with him. It's just worked out well over the years for us, you know. Uh, I, I, that's probably one of the main things I think we're known for is our Burt Gilts and uh, our crossbred barrels, you know. We like to play with them Chester barrels, too. You know, we've had good success with them, you know. But uh, I guess the first good Burke that we ever had, uh, Chad Day bought a Burke off of Heimer's that we called Mo. He ends up winning the, the Burks out at uh, World Pork Expo that year. And then uh, we end up winning the, the, the whole show at uh, CPS in Springfield with that Burke barrel. And that's kind of when we ran across uh davis and got to know him and then uh we've just been getting burke guilt from him we've had uh i don't know how many times we won the burke show out there at cps with one of his and then been third overall and and uh whatnot and reserve brand and but we've just had great success with we like the way his pigs feed and develop uh he's a great guy to deal with you know and uh We've just we can't say enough about the Davis family in general and uh how well they treat us and how they treat their customers, you know, and, and him and him and Brandon are best of friends and that's kinda how we got to you know, fell in the groove with him. It's with him and Brandon going to school together and being such good friends, you know. And uh but yeah. We've just had good luck with those Burke Gilts. Kelly really likes them things a lot, I can tell you that. And it was just because, because Burks, when you and I were kids, not that we either one showed pigs, but we weren't, I mean, Burks were kind of the ones they laughed at and made fun of. They weren't very good. And yeah. Now they're, now they're damn good in part. To yeah, they're players. Like the Mock Boys and some of them. Yep. And, and they're yep. popular. We go to them jackpots in the summer, and heck, they might they might be three classes of Berkshire Gilts, and you think you might get a nice little Berkshire Gilt and be competitive and win your class at them jackpots. You can have a pretty good one and go fourth pretty quick, or, or not even catch a pin. Uh, they've yeah. gotten really tough. Was it just the fact that first Berkshire guilt you guys had from Heimer got along and you just kind of enjoyed them? Uh, well, that, that was a barrel. Oh, that was a barrel. That was a barrel. Yeah, yeah. So that first yeah, one just, just kind of yeah snowballed. Yeah, we just kind of fell in love with them Berks and uh, and uh, Kelly took a liking to that breed and. That's kind of where we went to, you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What What was the one you talked about there a little bit ago when you were down there at Goss's? Uh, what did you call her? Dirty Diana? Dirty Deborah? What was that style? Uh, dirt, dirty Dorothy. Dirty, dirty Dorothy. Dorothy. She, yeah, she was a dirty secret uh, guilt that we bought off of Jesse, and uh, she wanted a bunch of shows for us that year. And... Uh, Blake ends up buying her out there at the World Pork Expo, and uh, that's kind of how our relationship with Blake started when he bought that. We'd known him from, you know, like Kansas City to Nationals. We'd run across them or stall close to him, you know, and and uh, all that stuff. And, and he could tell you a funny story about me, but that will be a different podcast or something. But that's kind of how <laughs> okay. we got in got in knowing Blake, you know, and was always trying to get one out of that sow. And uh he like I said, he had that that expo guilt say backwards and and uh that's why I went down there and just didn't even have any intentions on buying a barrel. Just went down there to pick her up. 
And when I saw that thing come out in the chip barn, I knew I was going to take him home that day. Or that so how that gilled out of dirty? How that gilled out of dirty Dorothy turn out? Oh, real good. I got I got a daughter in the barn this year that we're showing, but uh, those uh, ones out of Dirty Dirt, Dirty Dorothy. I'm having a Tom Klinger moment here. Can't get the words to go out. Small field, small There you go. Good thing I don't have a bag of popcorn right now trying to talk, huh? <laughs> but uh, uh, those ones out of her have done great success for the Goss family. They've had multiple winners out of her, so. Now, did you sell Dorothy in the auction out there at Expo, or yep. was that that year they sold yep. all? Okay. Nope, sold her an auction. Like she, like I said, she brought 13000 So, But she didn't win Expo that year. She had just won a fair number of jackpots. Yeah, I, yeah. I, we, we thought she should have, but you know how that is. Part of it. <laughs> now, she is awful good. Too, your kids are too old for, for Indiana State Fair, so you guys are just feeding for junior events and jackpots now? No. No, Shelby, we've got three more years at State Fair. so Okay, we've well, got you a, said it was the 12th year. I got you. Yeah, well, that, you know, see why it's 10 years of 4-H and whatnot. We've been trying to win that State Fair for 12 years now. But, no, Shelby, uh, she'll be 16 this summer, so we got this year and two more after that, so we got three more shots at it. and see what we can do okay i'm going to ask you some, some insider secrets and, and, and everybody listening just close your ears for a minute when i ask steve this question do you have a badass in the barn for this year's state fair i hope so i think so but i'm not the judge either so we'll see what okay. they think uh, okay you're going to swing at them and try to try to repeat we're going to try to yeah it's never been done and oh. we're going to we're swinging for the fences Okay. Don't think that's cocky because every family in the state of Indiana is going to try to win that thing. And that I oh I know that's I'll say the same thing. They're going they're going to try to win it. Every one of them. And I was going to say this yep. earlier when you were talking about how tough Indiana is. Uh, I grew up. I, I live on the Indiana Ohio State line. And oh yeah. I, I spent probably more time going to shows in Indiana as a kid. Uh, than I did ever going to shows in Ohio because the competition was so much tougher. And so I, I thought you got better going to Indiana. And I'm going to age, my, age myself a little bit, but I would love to go into Indiana to show. And I now, you, I, I was not a great fitter back in the day. I was okay. But I, I, whatever I did know, I learned from sitting on a bucket, watching like Jeffy that year Jackie that year that won all them shows in Indiana. Yep. Or going to Illinois or going to Indiana shows when Dryer Rod would come over and show watching those guys that could really get one right. The competition is just and my Ohio guys that listen to this may may give me a grief, but it's just so much tougher in the state of Indiana. I am glad I was born on the eastern side <laughs> of the state line of Ohio and Indiana and not in your state. I have made the comment that the champion steer at Ohio could go third in class in Indiana, and our grand bear at the Ohio State Fair might be lucky to win a class in Indiana. I've said that and pissed a lot of my Ohio friends off, but that's just that's just being factual, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of you know a lot of good good families and good feeders in every barn out here. No matter what barn you're in, you know. But uh, you know, MLC the big too. show, always keeping it real. 
Just factual. But uh, you know, what's kind of neat nowadays is, you know, with my cattle background, we're starting to imply a lot of our cattle things that, that we do now on these hogs, you know, as far as fitting them and getting them clipped in just right and, you know, all that good stuff. So we're starting to well, do a lot more. You know. That was something else I was going to ask you about. It seems to me, and boy, some of these dyed-in-the-world old hog people are going to hate this, but cattle people really seem to excel showing pigs. If you don't think, think yeah. it's true, look at the job your family's done. Look at the job Dave Geyer's family's done. Look at the job Todd Caldwell's family has done. Look at gotcha. uh, look at even them couple years Boyer's uh, uh, fooled with the show pigs and the core girls yeah. in Iowa and the Freeman family yep. in Iowa, and the Frazier family in Iowa, and and why do you think why do you think that is? I've wondered that myself. Why do you think the cattle people? I'm not going to sell them a hog. I, I just think the well, I think the work ethic in the cattle program is. I mean, you've got to hustle in that thing. You know how it is. That daily grind out there, rinsing and brushing, and you know, working that hair and just you know, going at it and. uh that's, I mean, you know, working hair and daily hair care in our barn is a top priority. You know, I mean, my daughter, she's in the barn by 6 o'clock every morning. And, you know, like last night, she come out of the barn at 10 o'clock, you know. And uh it's just, you know, between the walking and the rinsing and the tanning and the working the hair and, you know, each one of our pens, the pig has its own separate rice root brush. Just like back in the cattle days, you know, you better wear out a rice fruit brush every summer. You know, that's back before everyone had coolers and all that. But uh, oh yeah, we try to wear oh, yeah. out a rice fruit brush every year, you know. So, and I don't feel we can get the really good rice fruit brushes anymore. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. But yeah, but I just why, I just why think is there, pin, is, is there is there a reason why each pin has its own rice fruit brush? That seems a little. I don't want to. Well, I, in case you know, if you have a skin condition on this hog, I don't want to cross contaminate anything. You know, That's so each pig has its own own designated brush, and uh, you know that way you don't have to carry one around. And where do I sit? I mean, we have those little show totes in each pen, and the spray bottle and brush for each pig in each pen. You know, so that's just kind of. Our little philosophy, we try to keep everything as, you know, clean as possible. Now, do you have a go-to product in that barn working hair? Oh, yeah, the pig shag that Tom Thompson, the green stuff out there in Missouri. Yep. We love we love that pig shag. Love it. Okay. Can't say enough about that product. Uh, you know, he has made one excellent product right there. You know, Tommy Thompson, 816-284-3276. I'll be sending you a bill, Tommy. Even, Thank you. Was it even trying to? I'm just trying to get some secrets because here's the deal. We, you and I, here's the great thing. There are people that will tell you how to be successful in show cattle, show pigs, show sheep. But you here, gotta here's what we're trying to avoid. Here's what we're trying to avoid, Kevin. I heard a little story about a certain other podcaster that was trying to pull in to see secrets out of another podcaster or out of another business person, and they oh would not my. do it. 
So we're we're not well, trying to we're not trying to throw no shade here, but uh, we want Steve to win the state fair this year. So Steve, make sure you don't give anything away too juicy. We want you to have that competitive advantage. <laughs> but, well, Tommy Thompson at, but Tommy Thompson at the green stuff. Hey, oh shoot! One one second. One sec. I'll edit this out. Hey, but Tommy hey, Thompson Matt, is a Matt, lifelong Matt. friend. Tommy Thompson can drink beer like nobody else. He can literally throw yeah. down a 12-ounce be- beverage, a Pepsi or a Barley Pop, in one second or less. His number is 816-284-3276. I wouldn't mention his name, but me and Tommy uh, were reminiscing this winter at a show in Chillicothe, Missouri. And he's we've grown apart because we don't see each other very often, but it was still fun to have that. I drink slow. He drinks fast. To have that beer and uh, just talk about stories from the 2000s, that was back in December. Yeah, I mean, he's taken that. He's done great with that business and those products, you know. And, uh, yeah. yep. man, I, I just can't say enough about that pig shag that he makes. Well, hey, hey, Matt, I'm going to ask him for some more secrets. You don't have to tell me. But here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. You can yeah. tell yeah. a lot of people a lot of things. They have to be willing to do the work in the bottle. They oh, yeah, the hustle. Sullivan, they can go to all them <laughs> Sullivan camps they want. If they don't put the work in the barn and feed that calf right, it don't matter how good the fin on that tail end or that back. There's a, they've yeah. got to do there, the work. There is a uh, – yeah. I'm, I'm sure you guys will help me fill this in, but there's a saying that goes, the advice is free and the hustle is not, or something along those lines. We got a That's slogan in our barn. And uh, our slogan in our barn is losers make excuses and winners make sacrifices. And uh, you, you ain't out there doing it, your competition is. So uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what however you do in the ring is how much effort you put in at home. You know, Just so uh, a personal story along a personal story along those lines, and this is why I muted myself for most of the conversation because I interject too much. But. Back whenever, I mean, I'll, I'll just tell a story specific to John Freeman. And uh, he, he was a family that I helped out for maybe 2005 to 2010 time range. Had a lot of success. But anyways, in that last two or three, four years runs, once we got everything figured out, got our, our summer management system figured out for hair care, and Johnny got a, you know, just he made some adjustments. I guarantee you, we started the year every year in April 15th or May 1st, whenever that was that that calf went in the ring or went into the cooling room, and this is what we told ourselves. We're going to take better care of them than anybody else, and we're going to have longer, thicker, fuller hair on the leg, body, and then we're going to clip the crap out of them. And we're, if we get beat, it's going to be, be because old MLC didn't pick out a calf good enough because we were not going to get out hustled. And, I mean, that was a time in my life whenever I was more interested in the win. I, did, I mean, I didn't have a family, <laughs> so I didn't have to worry quite as much about the, the the balance sheet. But I guess my point is I was invested. I would go over and help John Freeman two or three times a week, uh, rinsing and brushing, probably more than that, actually, uh, four or five times a week, uh, especially in July and August as we were building up towards the State Fair. And, you know, if you just go into it, I can't speak about the pig deal because I don't know, but I do know enough to know that it's the same mentality even if you're trying to do different things. When we started those summers, nobody was going to outwork us. We were going to have the best cared for calf. And Johnny, you know, he was fourth overall 2007, reserve overall 2008. I think he was champion heavyweight in 2010. Uh, he didn't ever get this 
this, get the steer show done. He did win the pig show the year that he uh, was reserved with the with the steer. He was champion in the hog show. Uh, so it just, I guess, looking back on it 12, 13 years later, that was a me problem. That was an MLC problem. I didn't get Johnny the steers that he needed because he had the best cared for cattle at the fair each year. Right. But what's so time-consuming on the hogs, so like in the cattle deal, you know, you're in the cooler and you're rinsing and you're brushing and blowing and working the hair. Well, then flip side on the hog thing, you know, like especially when I got there at uh, Expo and State Fair, those big shows, you better have those hogs conditioned to be on their feet and moving for a minimum of an hour at a time so they don't mm-hmm. gas out and wear down on you because if you're stalling the sheep barn in Des Moines, and you're showing over in the swine barn, you know, and time you walk over there and you're getting in big classes, I mean, you oh, yeah. might be out there on the on the hustle for 30, 45 minutes. So you've got Girl to pick walk your up pretty easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You betcha. So it's all about conditioning them, in, you know. And and uh, just this last week we started our, our big walks now. I mean, since we've had them, we do our normal routine, you know, and now we're starting to, you know, just like a marathon racer, you just start chugging on more miles every day or more steps every day, you know, to get these pigs in shape, especially the bigger they're getting, the more weight they're carrying. You just got to keep them in check, you know. You don't want that mouth opened up out there while you're driving them. And I mean, yep. so. Do you walk in the morning after? And, when do you walk? They walk. When do you catch They walk all. We walk in the heat of the day because nine times out of ten, that's when you're showing. So you if you're showing okay. with 100 degrees out, you better have them conditioned to walk in 100 degree heat. Because if you if you walk in the mornings when it's cool or at night when it's cool, and then they go out there and they hit that hot temperature and that hot ring, they're not ready for it. They'll melt down on you. That was something Todd Hopkins used to always believe in. If you're going to show at two o'clock in the heat of the day. Cover that some bitch in purple oil and go drive it at two o'clock in the afternoon. You betcha. You've got to. How long will you drive that? How long will you? I mean, how long do you start driving them for? And then, how long does that time period get to? Do you start for ten minutes and work up to thirty? Oh, four or five. Yeah, I mean, like our daily regiment right now, we're over a half hour a day per pig, and then we do it twice a day. So Shelby's. Shelby and Kelly, they lose a lot of weight in the summertime because they're out there humping them pigs around, you know. Oh, I got to tell this story. Michelle, Michelle's not going to be happy with this one, but I guarantee you her leanest, her leanest times of the year uh, is always in July and August after they've been, I mean, it's a little bit different in the cattle deal because you don't want to, you got that big old wolfy haircut. So we do in the cattle deal, we were uh, exercising in the early early morning, late evening. Right. And then in that last week to 10 days before the fair, we were definitely exercising during the middle of the day to try and get them used to those 100-degree days. But, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, the two years that uh, Abby got along at State Fair, she, uh, those girls were hustling. I mean, they were walking, you know, 20, 25 minutes uh, morning and night, or th- I think 12 oh, yeah. minutes in the morning, 12 minutes a night. And dang sure the girls were getting lean. They were getting that 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 runner's form in terms of their contour, their muscles, their body. <laughs> yep, yep, that's for sure. But, yeah, you're not putting on the weight so the, time, I can tell you that, walking as the, as the, I can't speak for Steve, but as the show dad, I just got to sit underneath the bar, or, you know, stand underneath the barn and watch them with a nice cold, uh, cold beverage in my hand as they were walking those cattle. 
<laughs> well, I'll I'll usually walk off to the side and because I'm I'm the structure, you know. I look at the structure oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and see how we're doing and what what we need to change. But I'm with you. I probably got a, yep. a barley pop in my hand. You, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, Kelly hey, does all the talk- walking and feeding, and I do all the clipping and fitting. So we've got it yeah. figured you out. Talk- you talked about structure, and you alluded to earlier that sometimes you can get them a little outside themselves. Is that from Kelly yeah. pushing the feet, or is that your selection? And how how do you – golly, as a show dad, we all struggle with that. How do you maybe try to correct that? Well, when I was talking about outside themselves, that's when we're looking at them on, at babies. So most of the breeders, you know, the first thing I come in there and I ask, how high protein are they on? How long have they been on this feed, you know? Yada, yada, yada. Because, you know, like as well as I do, that higher protein, you know, you get that stuff hot, it'll get them muscled up and get them outside themselves and uh, bring them home, put them on a lower protein, strip them down, let that structure come back into itself, and then just, you know, slow coast them. The problem, I, what I see a lot of problem is nowadays, you know, people try to set – a target date for an animal, you know. Well, mm-hmm. we let the animal tell us the target date that it's going to show at. You know, especially these pig things. You can't push on them or you're blowing yep. the wheels off of them, you know. So depending on how the pig structure is, is going to depend on the show that you can target him for, you know. But you just yep. can't buy this pig and say, hey, I'm going to shoot for July, a show in July, when his structure, you might have to slow roll him and actually – show them in August or September, you know, later on. But, uh... Gentlemen, I have breaking news. Are you ready for it? Let's hear it. Okay. The first one-hour podcast. We're going long form, baby. One hour and one minute as of right now. So good job, boys. <laughs> well, you might have some editing to do when you had it muted. But I've only been on here for 47, 47 minutes. But I got another half hour in me. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can get a little I mean, windy. I can get like like Dave Geyer. I can get a little Gabby. I mean, as uh, Mears wasn't here for the first part of the podcast, but I was uh, just doing a normal interview, and I probably went through it way too quick. But uh, darn sure heard some cool old stories about the cattle deal. I personally can't wait for my next long drive so I can catch up on the. Uh, I mean, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to have to learn because my wife wants to do this pig deal. So I'm going to give me a listen and see if I can pick up a few pointers on this pig deal because not this summer and and hopefully hopefully not next summer, but one of these summers in the next year or two, little Miss Madeline, middle little Miss Madeline is going to be driving a hog somewhere at the county fair, state fair. There you go. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, you, talking about, you, you guys were talking about wanting to get in this uh, pig thing podcasting. Mears, you just need yep. to get out there to Des Moines in, in June and uh, there you go. get Matt to go over to the state fairgrounds, and we'll do some live podcasts out there at the fairgrounds during the World Cup. Oh, Day. man. Hey. I feel like I'll, I'll get me a Big Show T-shirt made and a Big Show cap, and I'll, I'll feel like Chris Karambas back in the day, hustling around the barn like, <laughs> like a... <laughs> you betcha. I mean, I you know... I just got a visual of Chris Karambas Big Show out there going... Uh, but hey, yeah, we're show. We, we we made entries. We'll be at Des Moines, and it ain't. I know it's not a far drive for Matthew to come down. No, no, we could we could get set up at one like show right 
uh, feed booth or sunglasses. I mean, make the trips around all the all the booths and vendors. Tommy Thompson, Tommy Thompson, I know you're listening. You get me, you get me a uh, a booth. You get yourself a booth, and we'll come in and we'll uh, sell some green stuff products, and we'll get we'll get rocking and rolling. There you go. <laughs> you betcha. If, anyway, I'm sure Matt's probably never been to it, but it's a it's a heck of a venue. Oh, Matt, I think Matt I made a lot of I made a lot of. I'm, this is just a personal story. I made a lot of bad decisions in that uh, 2008 <laughs> to 2011 time frame. Uh, right, right, in, right. Shortly before I met my wife, let's put it that way. And uh, <clears throat> I guess uh, I guess there was I was fortunate because I owned a little bull called Monopoly back in that time period. But anyways, of all the things that I did poorly back then, I made one good decision. You know what it is? Besides Michelle, besides Michelle, one one good decision. I built a little show barn on Interstate 80, 27 miles from the Iowa State Fairgrounds. So uh, I guess my point would be I'm so thankful I made that decision. It cost too darn much, but now that it's built, it's just so awesome to be able to load your cattle and be at the Iowa Beef Expo, Iowa State Fair, or in this case, the World Pork Expo in under a half hour. 30 minutes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Speaking of MLC, I've been throwing in that no guts, no glory, King Cobra, and Patriot and all these cows out here. So, oh, Matt, oh yeah, you come on. Pop in next spring. Come on. <laughs> you betcha. I mean, we can go longer if we want, but I do want to get one little bit tidbit that has nothing to do with livestock into this deal. There was a, a little event out in Washington, D.C. in the middle of December in the winter of 2020. And uh, me and old Steve Martin met up at a little hotel in Richmond, Virginia. I believe that's kind of the, the stomping ground of the yeah the, Revo- the Revolutionary War. Yeah. They, uh, Richmond, Virginia was probably the, the, the base for that. Anyways, for no particular reason, I flew into Richmond. And uh, me and my wife flew in and uh, met Steve and his wife. And we went on up to Washington, D.C. for a stop to steel rally. And by golly, I mean, we can talk about show cattle and show pigs all day long. But when you talk about world history, that old election steal of 2020 still stings my butt. Because, I mean, look, look what's happening to the country right now. They are ruining America. I paid $5 uh, for gas yesterday when I filled up. I mean, it's disgusting what they're doing. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it because I know a lot of people don't like it, but I just at least had to mention it in brief. Me and old Steve attended a Stop the Steel Rally mid-December 2020. That would be one of the one of my favorite all-time memories of my life. We had a great time out there. I mean, we got within, what, 20 feet of General Flynn. I mean, yep. he was right there for his first speech and uh, – Mm-hmm. A lot of patriots yeah. out there, and it was a great time, not like what the media says. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, completely patriotic and completely peaceful in that mid-December yep. one, and and I was so invested in the anti-communism movement that I even flew out uh, during Oklahoma City bull display to attend the January 6th uh, pep rally, and, uh, you know, you hear a lot of misinformation about what went on that day. But it was 99.99% peaceful on January 6th, and there was a few thugs. But there might have been a few thugs that might have been part of the FBI part of that deal, too. But uh, 
I'm really not here to discuss that. I understand that uh, many folks are tired about it, but those days, those decisions made during those days by people further up the food chain and the ladder than me, they changed America. And I hope that we can get this country back during the next midterm election and then again whenever we get Trump back into the White House in 2024. But, uh, yeah, we don't got to spend a lot of time on it, but I know there's a lot of patriots out there listening, and we at least need to mention it because... If we went on to a podcast and didn't mention our patriotic roots, we would uh, we would not be patriots. So we at least got to mention it. We don't we don't have to talk about it very long. But thank you very much for being my buddy, Steve. You betcha, and that's one thing. I know people get tired of it, but that's just like anything. You got to keep hustling, or they're going to keep taking away from us. And uh, yep. this is something that we got to do for our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids. And you know, you freedom comes at a price, and we just got to yep. keep hustling. You betcha. So, and thank you for spreading good information around the country to everyone that listens to you. You betcha. Yep. Yeah, we can do a we can do a a uh, co- anti-communism podcast at some point before the 2022 midterms, but uh, we'll keep it about cattle and pigs today. So I uh, appreciate All it, guys. Right. Uh, you guys can keep rolling if you want, or we can make a sign off. What, whatever you guys want to do. I, I yeah, hey, get to work to be honest with you. But go ahead, Kevin. I got more time. No, to no, no. No, no, no. I was going to say, I, I'm not going to squeeze any more. I, 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 we need Kelly on here so we can feed some, squeeze some feeding yeah. tips and secrets out of her. Kelly and Steve back on the show to get some feeding tips. Maybe uh, the day after the Indiana State Fair, after they win. After, oh, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and then, then we can get a little something. I'm good. I'm good. I'm she, she, can, she, can remember, she can remember every pig that we've ever fed. And uh, that would be one that you need to talk to about the Burt Gilts and everything that we've done down through through the years. So I appreciate yeah. you guys having me on here. It's been awesome. You Thank betcha. You. Oh. Uh, All right. Appreciate you, boys. We'll be in touch. Thank See you. you. Bye. See ya.